Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you guys have been listening to Ask Women for a while, you probably know my voice associated with some cynicism, maybe some jokes you are not a fan of, or maybe you are a fan of because you've got great taste. Well, either way... I've come a long way from that cynical gal, and I'm doing amazing things helping guys get their banter and conversation skills on track, as well as making those dating profiles look not so terrible. Or dare I say good? No, dare I say great. I get them looking great. And I've been doing it long enough now that I'm seeing actual results coming in from guys that I've worked with, like, you know, for example, engagements, things like that. I have to say, I feel pretty good about my skills, and those dudes do too. So if you want to be smooth and witty in conversation or smooth and witty in your profile, you know who to come and see. And that's me, Kristen. And I'm at kristenandchill.com. All of my stuff is up there if you guys want to hit me up and uh, get my help. So again, kristenandchill.com. Charm more than just her socks off. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out The Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of The Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have a redhead on our show, a redheaded man, so don't get too excited, but he is absolutely amazing and he is going to talk to us about how to embrace your differences and use them to be ridiculously successful with women. We're also going to talk about how to fine tune what it is you're looking for in a woman and then use what you fine tune to actually create a strategy around connecting with her and having a relationship with her. So keep listening. Hey guys, welcome to the Ask Women podcast. It's your host, Kristen Carney, here, of course, with Marnie Kinress from wingrowmethod.com. And we have a real live person with us. Everyone's alive, but you're more alive because you're not a dating coach. You're like a you're like a real person, and <laughs> yeah. you have red hair. Like an everyday human being, yes. and you have red hair, which makes you like an alien, Yoan Boat. I was gonna say, so is he really a person? So yeah, <laughs> we have you on to talk about dating with red hair, right, Yoan? Yeah, yeah. Right. I was going to say, well, before we dive into him and his red hair, let me give some background on how I know Yoan. So I think I've talked about this before. I've worked from home forever. There really is no need for me to get out of my house. But I was starting to get a little bit depressed and running into Groundhog's Day syndrome last year where I was getting bored and, and I'm an extrovert. I needed energy. And I had tested out a couple of different workspaces and it didn't, they didn't really do it for me. 
And then I went to this place called Dot Space and fell in love with it and with the people there. And Yoan is the owner of Dot Space. And he is like super chatty. He sits at one of the communal tables with me, just like has such an interesting background and life. And he's a redhead, obviously. So I was like, you have to come onto my show because he is married. He's dated a lot. He's done well with women. And I wanted him to just like share his experiences. Number one of where your confidence comes from. And then the other thing is your life with women. So now you That's can start That's such a passive-aggressive way <laughs> to say like, how do you get confidence as a redhead? Like yeah. what in the yeah. world is giving you... Yes, but I know that so many people on our show, they're like, I have this and therefore I shouldn't be attractive. I'm short, yeah. I'm old, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And so I'm pointing towards a person who like, okay, other people would say, oh, you're a redhead. Like maybe you don't do so yeah. well with women, which is not my experience because I've actually had two ex-boyfriends yeah. who are redheads. So I'm like into, in the past, I've been very into redheads. And yeah, I want to hear from you. Like, how do you not, how, you know, let that be a sh- yeah. shortcoming, but like, <laughs> I don't, I live with myself, you, you know what I, I mean? That, yeah. So you can laugh at it. Uh, how do you, how do you live with yourself? How do you wake <laughs> up in the morning? Okay. So I didn't know I had red hair. I didn't know it was a thing. I thought I just had hair that was a different color. Right. Until I was about seven years old. I think second grade was where people would walk by me and start humming like, do you believe in magic? You know, like the Ronald McDonald (laughs) reference just to to kind of bother me. And then it was a French private school. And so there's a very famous French redhead character in the literary world. His name is Paul de Carotte. And it's basically a carrot hair, but not Mm. the hair of the head, like the hair of the arm or of the body in French, two different words. And people would always call me that. And it was tough. And also, my mom's an artist. I had a big afro and I had a little pigtail and I had an earring in my left ear. So not only did the ones that were mean with me make it known through my red hair, but um, even older girls when I was younger would stop me and ask me if I was a boy or a girl. And I was like seven or eight years old by the time. So this is like 1990. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. But all, but in, in French, though, it sounds really great. So if they called you that here, we <laughs> would be like, ooh, <laughs> what's uh, that? You got a carrot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. mm-hmm. um, so as a child, I fought a lot. I, I fought a lot. I had a lot of fights. Uh, I cried a lot. Aww. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Not good. What would be worse, being a kid with red hair or like a chubby kid? Which one's worse? I didn't realize matter. redhead was so hard. Well, I think that, that's the topic of this conversation is that everybody is either redhead or is chubby or has misaligned teeth or is short or is Not balding. me. Not right. me. Yeah, Not right? me. Not yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, that everybody watching this has something that's holding them back. You know, and a lot of times it's in perception, right? So you can relativize for a minute and say, well, at least I'm not chubby. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, you know, you're still a redhead or you're still this way and, and you have to deal with that because that's reality. I know. I have to deal with being perfect. I get it. It's hard. It's hard. It, it is. It is hard. It's even worse. I think it's harder to deal with being perfect because the fear of being imperfect will drive you crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it will. It's true. So then, and this is, I think, like where it all happened is that little by little, I noticed that everybody had their own problem. The only people that I thought were great or normal were the ones that I didn't know yet. Right. It's like, you think someone's great. Yeah. And then you get to know them and they're like, Oh wait, actually, you know what I mean? So we'd like to think when we meet someone that's like, you know, pretty or, or well 
well disposed, that they're also like that on the inside. But generally, unfortunately, they're making up for something. Your first impression is, I think, always will be wrong about the other. And it's really just a projection of, of your lackings on the inside. Just, just yeah, for like, sure. Like an objective thing that I've learned. So it continued like this, fight after fight, problem after problem, until I was about 14. And at 14, I, I started going to an all-boys Jewish high school. And let me tell you, I'm sure it's the same for girls, by the way. I'm sure when girls are all alone, just between girls, there's a side of you that comes out that doesn't come out in front of other people. And I, I don't know if that's the case, but for men, when you're with a bunch of male testosterone-filled high schoolers all day, you really see the inside of other people, unadulterated. And, and you realize that we all have our things, no matter what. So I, I was just kept being reminded that even though I have red hair and I'm really skinny, you know, this guy's this way and this person's this way. And not that I pick one or the other, but it's just the way it is. Were you reminding yourself or were you having other people reminding you of this? Like, no, no, were your parents me. helpful in this? No. This is you, okay. No, my parents That's amazing, like, that's... But that's really impressive and mature for a child who is 10 or 11 or, or, or 12 or even in, in their teens to be able to recognize those things. It's, it's difficult to step outside of yourself when you're that young. I think I have to because kids are mean, you know, kids are really mean. And if it's not about your hair, it's about what your parents do for a living. And if it's not about that your hair on your head, it's about your hair somewhere else on your body. So there's always, there's like always. Like my back. Yeah. Right. You're, yeah. Sure. <laughs> That's what, That's what it was for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into the carpet, lady. So when I was younger, I didn't have red hair, but like you said, everyone has something. And I had a crossed eye. It was held straight by glasses. So it was not obvious until I went swimming or something. And I had to take my glasses off. And I would stand at the pool like with like one hand over my eye as if like I was like mad or pouting. But it was really because, you know, I didn't want people to know that I looked slow yeah. and handicapped. <laughs> So you mentioned like realizing that everyone else had their other thing. I never realized that. To me, everyone else, even Chubby, had it easier because that was such a detriment to me. How did you discover that? Like as a young kid, did you have someone mentoring you kind of or did you just... What was it? No, it was that when I was 16 and so I was a late bloomer. I was still playing like GoldenEye and video games. And my friends, they were going out. Well, by law, you have to as a redhead. Yes. <laughs> and, and my friends were always like, no, but come out with us, come out with us, come out with us. And then I met a girl and I had my first kiss with her. And she had freckles and she had light eyes and she had red hair. Another alien. Yeah. yeah. No, and, <laughs> Another one. And, exactly. <laughs> and the next girl was blonde and had blue eyes and fair skin. And then the girl after that had uh, black hair and green eyes and freckles. And there was this recurring theme, which is basically, I looked familiar to them. And, and at this point, the lesson that I learned is that we seek out the things that are familiar to us. But where did the sophisticated adult kind of view come in so quickly? How did that come to be? Because you were so young. Like, Did you have positive experiences that were reinforcing that you are okay and stuff? What led you from this, oh, I have red hair when I'm seven and kind of realizing it's weird, to now I am cool with it because dot, dot, dot. Oh, no, no pun intended. I'm, I'm cool with it because I, I have six brothers and sisters and three of them have red hair. And when I was seven, they didn't exist yet. 
I got my first little brother with red hair when I was 10. I was the only redhead of five siblings. And then he popped up, which confirmed that my parents were my real parents. <laughs> and, then, right. and then I had my, my little... Well, at least for boy. some of you, yeah. <laughs> we also have red hair. But my parents always told me that as soon as I got older and I, and I started meeting people that appreciated differences, I would soon have a lot of success. They always reinforced that idea that when I'm in circles with people that appreciate the differences, that I would be successful because on the inside, I'm amazing. And that, that. I think that's the, that was the reinforced thing that my mom specifically would always repeat to me. And, you know, my, my mom, I guess, being an artist and, and, and creative and, and my parents being obviously to my eyes different, they had each other and they just, they never asked themselves questions and they just did their best and kept going and kept going and kept going. And I think that that was maybe also something that I decided to do to say, hey, everybody has their shit, everybody has their things. And the idea is to just keep going. And what really changed, and I mean, I think the whole show really is going to center around this, is that when I was in, in college, I started promoting nightclubs. And my job was to go out and to get phone numbers of people in nightclubs and to invite them to my nightclub that I was promoting. And I got paid per head. So it was a numbers game. So I was no longer emotionally interested in whether or not this girl liked me because she thought I was attractive you know, in the first 10 seconds that she saw my face, it was more like, oh, this girl is a means to an end. The conversations are the same. The approach is the same. The, everything is the same. But the reason why I'm going up is not the same. It's not because I want something from her specifically and I'm trying to build this super intimate relationship and I'm already projecting it in my mind the second I walk up to her. So I, I, obviously she picks up on that because women pick up on everything. Right. So she's weirded out. Like none of that is happening. I'm just going up to her and saying, I have some great venues I can get you invites to for free. Give me your number. I won't harass you. It'll just be about this. Sure. One number, two number, three numbers, 40 numbers a night, 50 numbers a night, six nights a week for a year. So needless to say, many of them would show up at the nightclub and they would see me and I'd get them in and I would just be me. I'm the same Yoan. I've always been the same Yoan. And I would just make sure they're okay because I'm serviable and I like to serve people, as Marnie knows, at the, the co-work. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, they saw this young man, regardless of how attracted they were to me or not, that they saw this young man who uh, was not afraid to talk to them, who showed them a good time, right? Who seemed to be genuinely interested in their well-being, right? And it was a good exchange. In French, we say, change de bon procédé. It was a good exchange of us getting what we want respectively by collaborating. And every single time that element was the catalyst that turned that innocuous business relationship into a fling or into a, you know, hanging out together or into whatever it may have developed into. And it really came down to that. The fact that I didn't care about what they looked like personally, that all I cared about was making sure that they were well taken care of and that their needs were, were satisfied. That's such an important thing in approaching and having relationships and all of that. When you don't have any weight from your ego attached to it, yeah. all of a sudden you can just be, and that's so attractive to people. It's very attractive. They like yeah. that. They're like, what do, you, what do you mean? You want my number and you don't want to date me? You just right. want me to go out and have a good time? Here, take my money. You know? Exactly. Like, right, exactly. Like, yeah. Well, so how do how do you transfer that over to 
you potentially not having something like that to offer women or to guys who are not working in a nightclub trying to get them oh, to go into the nightclub. Like, sure. So yeah, how do you transfer that? I know you can learn a lot from that about how to interact with people and like yeah. not be so needy, but how did you use it in other spaces or how do people use that without having something to offer? I think that the way that the, the very simple answer to that would be that I went to nightclubs to get their phone numbers because in people in the nightclub want to do that. So I came and I had already like, targeted my audience, right? So if you want to connect with somebody, boy or girl, non-romantically, whatever it is, if you want to connect somebody, you, you guys need to be swimming in the same rivers. You guys need to you know, connect through some common interest in the beginning. So I think that the way to do that would be to connect, to meet these people through your own interests you know, that are second degree connections, third degree connections. And that is one of many things that nourishes both of you. But it's the first thing that you guys know nourish both of you. So it's a great start to talk about not each other, but talk about what you guys have in common about this certain subject. Okay, so give me an example, actually, for somebody who's like 45, let's say, or even 35, because that's, I think, around your age. So somebody who's 35 and single, they're not going to clubs anymore. What could they be involved in that they can have a common bond on or a few things that they could have a common bond on? Okay, so your question is, what can a 35 or 40-year-old engage a woman about that they can have a common bond on? Is that correct? Yeah, like outside of having the excuse of going to the bar together or the club or something. Yeah, like we're at a club together, we're having fun. What about somebody who has like maybe a child is divorced or doesn't really go out to the club anymore or just isn't in that space anymore where they're out being so social all so, the time? Where, where can they find something like that? Okay, so... So I think I'll just draw from personal experience again, because when I was, yeah. I got divorced when I was 33, 32. Okay. And okay. Oh, so uh, that was you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was me and mm -hmm. I had a son. I had a two-year-old son Yeah. and I was rebuilding from nothing. I lost, I had no money. <laughs> I had a two-year-old son. I was a single dad and I had no desire at all to go to nightclubs or to enter that lifestyle again. Cause I, in my mind, I wanted to rebuild. And if I rebuild, it's not going to happen with someone I meet in a nightclub, especially because the first wife I met her in a nightclub. I always feel like the test is to ask someone who goes to a nightclub how you actually spell night, like the word night, because because nightclubs always say like N I T E. So if they spell spell it like correctly, like if I don't know, that's the gauge on okay, I can date them or not, depending on how they no, spell I'm it. Gonna, gonna, depending yeah. on how they spell, they spell yeah. exactly. If, if their experience from nightclubs is from going to nightclubs, they'll spell it wrong is what you're saying. I right, get, exactly. I get, I get it. Yeah. So for me personally, I had my Jewish community, right? So you're going to like temple every week, right? You're meeting a bunch of new people all the time and you talk about that's what brings you there, right? In the case of business, if you work in a certain industry, let's just take my industry, real estate, right? Or all of that. If I'm not going to events, if I'm not going out and meeting people and finding out what's new in the world and what's trending and what are the new things happening and, and all of that, then why would I merit to have a relationship with somebody with whom I'm supposed to grow, right? The, the idea is that if you are going out and you are meeting people, then you will eventually, you know, in your own zone of comfort, then when you meet someone that you have a physical attraction to in your zone of comfort, 
there's a good chance they're also in their zone of comfort and you guys can connect about the real estate and all of that. And you're each expressing yourself in a natural way with something that you know. I think that that's a really great way to establish a first bond. Yeah, for sure. Is that where you met your current wife? So no, my current wife, the way club, that I, The club. No, the club. The, the, the J club. Duh, the I club. I went on jda.com yeah. and, I, and I searched like speaks French and has a child and you know, has from Moroccan, North African descent like me. You can oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Really refined. And I searched the entire planet and only one person showed up. It was her. So I had no choice. This was your first wife? No, my current wife. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, okay. So I just, I just kept messaging her every, oh my gosh. every two, three days until she answered. And then I was like, just come out for the weekend. I'll fly you out. And then, you know, worst case, you got to see California. Like, no big deal. Oh, what? Where was she? Oh, so you you like searched? Yeah, she was in Miami. across the United States. Yeah. Oh no, my the gosh! Another world, no, world. Yeah. She was originally from Canada, so you can set like worldwide in uh, J Day, and then I just had to change my zip code because you couldn't go more than two thousand miles. So I kept changing my zip code to find more people. <laughs> Except there's only one. Because it's hard. I, I wanted to find someone that. Oh my god! It. Imagine if it was a five thousand mile radius, you could have had lots of options. No, I'm just kidding. But Welcome, that's amazing. crazy. So it was only that is crazy. So, but that's specifically knowing what it is that you want. Why? Because yeah, you did why. you notice yeah. from your last relationship that you didn't share a lot of values and you had a lot of differences and you mm-hmm. wanted things to be more similar. Yeah, and it's. I think it's the same reason why I had a lot of relationships as a redhead is that I was attracting women whose brothers, whose fathers, whose uncles, whose family members kind of resembled. So again, right. it sounds like we have this natural... Or who grew up in a fire. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That was terrible. Or with witches. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think that the, the secret is that when I finally accepted that all humans, including myself, we have this like natural tendency to go with what we know I was like, I'm just going to find this French Moroccan American woman whose parents came from the same city as my parents and who grew up in the same modern city as me and has the same conflicts, mm-hmm. has the same issues and has gone through the same culture shocks and, and blending and, and all of this. And this person will really understand me without having to you know, be compassionate. She'll just get it. And that's exactly what happened. Has she ever dated anyone with red hair? To get no. the hair oh, thing? Wow, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. And she told me that on her list, I look nothing like her punch list. Obviously, who puts red hair on the punch list? Come on. But, uh, <laughs> Not me. Yeah, I had a thing for redheads for a show. Yeah, it was my thing for a while. I really, my, my first like boyfriend was a redhead. I loved it. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break and then I want to dig a little bit deeper into this. So we'll be back in just a second. Hey you, this is Marnie and thanks for listening to the Ask Women podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think of us. And also give us five stars just because. All right, we are back with Yoan and we're talking about narrowing down your wants, which I think is really interesting. So like you were very specific by because of, of an, an experience that you had before that didn't work out and you wanted there to be more similarities and, and her to have a deeper understanding and empathy towards you and vice versa, which I think is absolutely amazing. But you also said that when you first contacted this one option of yours, so that's like high pressure, she wasn't really responding back to you. Can you maybe, I don't know if you remember any of it, but like, can you remember how you first approached her and what actually got her to get on a plane and come out and see you? I'd love to hear like the yeah. okay. the sequence that you used. Yeah. 
So first of all, I want to be very, very, very clear about what it's not that I knew what my wants were, is that I knew my wants had to hit close to who I was, right? Because then if you want something that's, I guess, disconnected from you, you're delusional, right? You're living in a, in a dream world. Okay. That's interesting. Right? Yeah. So, so, so it doesn't mean I'm fat. I need to be a fat person or I'm short. I need to be with a short person. It doesn't mean that. It just means I'm looking for someone on the, whose inside resembles my inside, whose experience resembles my experience, so that we can work together and grow together. Okay, that, that's the that. concept. Okay, so now that I've hyper-targeted my target and she wasn't responding, I, what I did is I would remind her why we're so similar and why she should respond to me. So I was like, hey, we're both French-Moroccan. We both have children, right? We both know what it's like to be like this. Trust me, you're going to want to answer to me. I'm really funny. You'll have a good time. With it. Those are literally my messages. I always have to keep them really short because no one likes long messages heavy, right? And, right, and then it seems crazy. Like Even like that, what you were just saying to me is like a little crazy, but if it was a long message, then it's like stalkery crazy. Yeah, stalkery, then it's obsessive exactly. and weird. It, but then it's also like a job to reply to where you're like, oh, where do I even start? Right. I just exactly. won't start at all. Right. Exactly. So by keeping so, it short, one sentence and joking like, hey, what are the chances that we're both French Moroccan? That was like the first message. You know, the second message is, right. you know, oh my God, me too. I have a son and, you know, it's not easy raising him alone, but, uh, you know, only the strong survive. It's a compliment. At the same time, we're connecting. It's short. They're like little messages. Right. And so what finally broke her? Yeah. <laughs> That was my question too. <laughs> what broker is, uh, oh, she just three weeks later, she's like, fine. And she texted me because I just sent her my text message and my email. And I was like, you know, you can look me up on Facebook. You'll see that I'm a pretty good guy with a good reputation. And then one day I just got a text message from her. I was like, cool. And the next day we spoke. And then in that conversation, I told her I was dealing with my son who had lice. And so now, yeah. Is he a redhead with lice? No. That's like the way to get excommunicated no, forever. Lice, lice die in red hair. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay. <laughs> so, and now this is why you never know. And this is like another, this is another lesson, young men. No one would have ever seen this coming. Her ex-husband cheated on her. That's why they got divorced. So now she, her experience of man is that man lies. And this man, in his first conversation with her, totally transparently was like, I'm dealing with my son's lice. Like, little did I know that that meant I had a dirty home and I was a dirty dad and I didn't take care of my son. I was oblivious to these uh, thoughts. I was just like, I'm such a good dad. I'm cleaning my son's lice out. That's what I was thinking. I'm a monkey dad. Yeah. Well, it it actually means your son has very clean hair. So I wouldn't actually see that as a a dirty thing. But anyway, go on. Continue. but, But she was like, oh my God, he's... He's so honest. I for sure yeah. he's not going to cheat on me, right? That was probably like the connection in her head. Okay, right. I'll give him a chance. He's probably better than this last guy. Yeah, a guy who's going to be honest about lice is going to be honest about cheating. Yes, totally. Yeah. <laughs> or not cheat. Yeah, you're no, but you're right about that. Because that, that's like a very <laughs> embarrassing thing to say. But that yeah. is also, it's showcasing a value of yours and who you are as a person that you you do share and you're open and honest and not trying to cover things up constantly. To apply this to another dating scenario, if you're online and you have crabs, you just tell the woman, I have crabs. And she's going to be like, I love you. Right. 
You yeah. just you're telling she's, it like only it if she's been cheated on, only if she's been lied to in the past. If she's never well, been lied to, then she won't be attracted. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Crabs had lied to her in the past. Now we know that these right. li- these crabs will be true. But yeah, that, yeah, that but does that's... work. But it's definitely a situational kind of thing, right? Like you have to have someone who has this past trauma for something like that to be appealing. So it's not like a black and white scenario where you just are honest about something that could be considered gross, and a girl's going to fall for you. But given yeah. the right circumstances, yeah. of course, it worked. Yeah, like I don't know if I would yeah. collect that information, but if she told me she had a urinary tract infection, I'd be like, well, that's great because I have crabs. So let's uh, <laughs> go party. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think vulnerabilities are such a great way to connect with people. Yeah. Benet Brown, she has a great TED talk on vulnerability and it changed, it changed all of stuff. Yeah. She is just a name I'm hearing so much. I know she's very popular, but she's like, I'm like hearing her name every single day now. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, she had me when she told me that she can't go to regular therapists because she, she can manipulate them. And I was like, ooh, I want to hear what this person has to say. Right. You're like, I'm exactly the same yeah, way as yeah, her. Yeah. So you got on the phone, you, you talked with her, you told yeah, her about your son's lice, and then you <laughs> continued talking and then invited talking, her out? Talking, or talking. was yeah. it one conversation? No, it was two weeks of talking. It was from December 25th to like maybe January 8th. And on the 8th, I was like, hey, there's this a weekend seminar going on for single people about what it is to get married and what they should expect and how to make sure that if you get married, you have a successful marriage. I think this would be really cool if we if we went together to get an idea, you know, spend time together, get to know each other and at the same time, learn about all the stuff that we would eventually do one day, maybe not together, but we would eventually do one day. And uh, I said I would invite her out and pay for a ticket. And she said no, that she would pay for her own ticket. She doesn't want to owe me anything. And I said, that's cool. And so that's what we did. And I got her a separate room. And she came out and we spoke all weekend. And by Sunday night, we had kissed. And she was my girlfriend. And then I went back to Miami every you know two, three weeks to see her for like a four more months. And then I, I called her parents and I was like, hey, I want her to move in with me. And they're like, no, you got to propose. I was like, no, we're both divorced. I don't know if she's crazy. I want to move in with her. First, I want her to move in. And if there are no surprises, I mean, nothing, no crazy surprises, I'll propose in six months after she moves in. And they said, okay. And that was like what we did. And then we got married. Like, Okay, years. amazing. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's an amazing story. I love that. I, I have a few more questions. So the conversations in those first two weeks before you invited her out, I don't know if you remember, but was there like some sort of strategy in your mind in the way that you were talking to her? Because it sounds like you were kind of interviewing her and, as a potential for the future. So yeah. were there certain questions that you asked? Were there, yeah. or was it just like normal? Ch- yeah. Okay. So you, you like... You obviously had your plan. You wanted somebody who had a similar value to you. You wanted to be married again. Yeah. Okay. So what were some of the questions throughout fun conversation? But what were some of the questions that you had? So I, I use the same strategy from like the minute I meet someone to even today married. It's a, it's the same thing. I expect the same sort of relationship and it goes like this. So first of all, as a single person, when I talk to potential candidates, first of all, it's a numbers game. The more people I talk to, the more of a chance I'll have of of getting to know and connecting with the right person. And I don't care about whether they're going to say yes or no to me because eventually one of them will say yes. Because that's just that's just a, a law of mathematics, okay? That's number one. Number two is I talk a lot and I share a lot of information. I want to know if they're listening. I want to know if they have questions. Because if they hear you talk a lot and they don't say anything, they're not interested. 
And I'm not interested in having a one-sided conversations. So we're both uninterested. And the answer is really simple. Get out of each other's way. Now, if you're talking and you're, and you're sharing things that the person is asking questions or is curious or wants to know more, or will share that their experience to connect, and then you can ask questions. And then there's, there's just an exchange. That's the basis for a relationship. It's the communication. And so everything from there is just downhill, I feel like. That's the trick. The trick is just to have a conversation and, and have a nice ping pong back and forth and nothing else. And everything after that flows. And it's a numbers game. Yeah. Well, do you think it's the same for people who aren't big conversationalists? Like you are a very boisterous character. You have a lot to say. You have a lot of experience. You've shared with me about your parents who are also very creative people and very opinionated people and like very involved people. What about for individuals who maybe are a little bit more shy or reserved even? So not, not the fact that they're shy, but the fact they don't want to talk that much. What would be a strategy for them in terms of getting to know another individual? Well, they should just have the conversation at their own level. Maybe my conversation is spewing out 400 words before I get an answer, but it would work just the same if they spewed out six words. And that's it. I think that's all. If you say, oh, well, how am I going to go and talk to people if I don't like to talk? But talking is necessary in order to build a relationship, then you have to talk. So I can jump in on this whole talk thing because I can talk and talk and talk podcast wise, but in real life, I get a little bit exhausted, you know, to just strangers or small talk, stuff like that. But I went skiing this weekend and I had to, I was by myself a lot of the time and I had to ride with a stranger every single time in the chairlift to the top of the mountain. And it was like, I do not want to ride with a stranger and ask them how their day is and da 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 and, and I'm a talker. So if it's hard for me, I get that it would be hard for other people. But I can relate with, with it being a struggle. And then what I can express is that it does get easier, even if you're not a talker. Because when I'm in that situation, I don't want to talk. And then all of a sudden, I'm on this chairlift with someone. I have no choice. And you all of a sudden realize that talking to people is really way easier than you have it drawn up in your mind. Because as I'm standing there looking around at, oh no, which stranger am I going to get matched with? What are we going to talk about? What am I going to say? All of a sudden, it's just flowing because we have no choice. And so people are better conversationalists than they than they realize, I think. Much better. There's also a lot of conflation going on. People are, are maybe intimidated by the woman in front of them. And then their ego doesn't want to admit that they're just sissies. So they're like, oh, well, I don't know how to talk. That's not true. Because yesterday, when you were working on your workshop, you spoke for two hours explaining how to carve the perfect wood knob. Okay, so why, why were you able to do that? But you can't act, tell this person that, you know, you find them attractive or whatever. You know, do they like wood knobs? I don't know. <laughs> so no, I don't, of course they do. I, I don't buy that. I think it's bullshit. And I think, that, I think that you brought up a really good point because remember Fight Club Single Serving Friends? Do you guys remember that scene? That, that person that you share the, the ski lift with, he's a single serving friend, right? Those are great opportunities to actually talk and make them laugh and practice. Those are the best because you're never going to see them again. They don't know you. Yeah. And it was, it's so great because the minute the chairlift hit the platform, we both went right or left or, or opposite directions. It was like, nice talking to you. Bye. Yeah. And we both, I think, got stuff out of it every single time. Yeah. And uh, in, Again, going back to what you said at the beginning of the show, there was no ego involved or nothing attached to it. And so if you start practicing in that way without looking for a specific result or trying to 
get a woman, essentially, yeah. it's going to show you that you are better than you think you are. Yeah, absolutely. By taking away kind of like that, that ego, um, it helps you be like your more authentic self. Oh, sorry. I just want to tell this quick little story. I approached these two really attractive guys at Starbucks months and months ago, but it wasn't because I was hitting on them. It was because I literally could care less, but they were in my hometown area, which generally doesn't have like the best looking people in the world. And so I was so taken aback by these guys because they just didn't look like they were from the area. And so my intention was not to hit on them or get their phone numbers. I just wanted to say, I genuinely wanted to know, are you guys from here? Because you're absurd looking in a great way. And no one here really looks like you guys necessarily. Like They were just so put together, like city-ish, kind of tall. They almost looked like basketball players in like really great suits or something. Abercrombie and Fitch. I got it. Basically, yeah. And so I had to ask them for my own curiosity. And because of that, I was totally myself and I wasn't nervous, even though I'm just this girl alone approaching these two hot men. It was more like, I just need to know the answer to this question because I'm genuinely curious. So if you like see a girl out or something like that, if you're actually genuinely curious about something, I think that comes through in approaching them that you won't have all those nerves because you're like, no, 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 my priority is figuring out the answer to this question that I have. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much absolutely dead on right. You have to find something that's not what you want, but something that you you can connect on. Same thing, same thing. You connected with the fact that that there was a mismatch between the essence of these two men and the place that they were located in and you needed to reconcile that. Right. And I basically said, you guys are really hot. Are you from here? Yeah. But I was absolutely not hitting on them. Yeah. So it, but it worked great. It worked great. Yeah. So, right. And, and a guy could even do that the same way, where it's basically like, you are beautiful. Like nobody else here is. Like, where, right. what are you like, doing? What here? is going on? Yeah, and that, that's, a, that's the general curiosity that's going on in your head. Like, no, I'm riding on the bus. And, yeah. No, right. you could. You would, <laughs> yeah. would do that. And you could do it. Oh, thank you. And not only that, you would yeah. totally get that you weren't hitting on them. That's because you're totally that. Yeah, because it's it's the same thing as what Kristen just said. It's a general curiosity. So maybe tapping into that general curiosity when you do feel a moment of panic and there is an attractive girl that you want to approach, maybe you could say to yourself, "What am I curious about right now?" So that you look at the world a different way, and then you can find the curiosity there and then approach from that angle. Because I know a lot of guys at certain points are like, "What do I approach her with? How do I approach her?" I'm going to want something from her. They're going to sense that and they're going to shut me down. If you actually take a step back for a second and reevaluate, you might be able to find something interesting that can spark conversation and make the approach easier. We're going to wrap up this show. I'm so sorry that I'm going to cut you off because I know you have a million other wonderful things to say, but we have to record another show very shortly. But thanks to our redheaded friend, Yoan, for coming onto the show. You were fantastic and gave absolutely wonderful advice to the guys that are listening. I heard that screenshot. I do not look pretty right now. So no social media. Oh, it's just for me. <laughs> so we're actually, we've never been able to see each other before. We're using a new program called Squadcast to try Squad, it. So yeah. hopefully the audio yeah. becomes is good. But I like that we can see each other, which is so nice. But yeah, thanks for coming on. And if you want to promote anything, I don't know if you want to promote Dot Space, but you can or anything else that you want to tell people where they can find you and whatever you'd like. No, just dots. You know, we have three locations in LA. I don't know how many people watching would be in LA. But it's really just for entrepreneurs and and people that kind of uh, march to their own beat. And it's a place where you realize that you're not alone. We're we're all different and uh, we all have our own things to deal with. But uh, we do it together. And that's what's fun. Mm -hmm. So that's all. 
welcome to Dots, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I love it. And I'm very happy that I, I found you and I found the space as well. Yeah. New episodes of the Ask Women podcast come out every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. I also post on YouTube the following day, usually around 10, maybe 12, depending on how late I wake up and what I have to do on Friday. But it'll be up there on YouTube. So go to youtube.com slash Marnie Kinris and you can watch slash listen to it there. You guys are awesome. We'll see you next week. 